Hey, good morning, Spirit Church. How's everybody doing today? Great. Come on, we've got a great service planned for you. Let's jump to our feet. We're going to get started. All right, come on, sing this out. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it rise, let praise arise. Come on, let's sing it. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift you high with all creation cry God we praise you oh, 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 oh we praise you oh, 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 oh come on let faith let faith be the song that overcomes the raging sea let faith be the song that calms the storm inside of me let it rise, let faith arise, let it rise. We'll see you break down every wall, we'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side, forever lift you high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. Oh, 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 oh we praise you. Oh, 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 This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise Come on, let's you. Sing. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift you high. Down every wall, watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive. We praise you, the God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift you high. With all creation, cry, God, we praise you. Oh. 
150 it says this praise the Lord praise God in his sanctuary praise him in his mighty heavens praise him for his acts of power praise him for his surpassing greatness praise him with trumpet sounds praise him with lute and harp praise him with tambourine and dance praise him with strings and pipe praise him with sounding cymbals praise him with loud clashing cymbals let everything that has breath praise the Lord let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Lord, we exalt you in this place, God. You are worthy of our praise, Jesus. We lift you high above, God. And we could sing a thousand songs, it would only be a star. Our worship like a river, ever flowing to your heart. Eternity will echo with the songs of the redeemed. Come on and praise Him, come on and praise Him. And we could sing a thousand songs, it would only be a star. Oh, worship like a river, ever flow into your heart. Eternity will echo with the songs of the redeemed. So come on and praise Him. 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 
Father, we acknowledge you this moment. We acknowledge that you are worthy and that you are holy. And we just thank you for your presence in this place right now. We pray that you just have your way in, the, in this house today, God. Do what it is that you wish to do. I pray that our, our perceptions, God, the things that we thought would happen would be out of the way, God, that you would just have your way today. You'd move in our hearts and our lives. God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have just to gather and worship you. God, you are so worthy to be praised. You are so good. We thank you. We praise you. In kind of a moment of unity and in giving honor and glory to God, as we do, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. And again, this is simply just the way that Jesus taught us to pray. So the words are on the screen. Let's pray together. Pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can we give him praise this morning? Amen. Amen. What an awesome opportunity to worship the Lord together. As you came in this morning, you have received communion. I encourage you to take that out now. And if you didn't, our ushers are prepared to serve you. You can just lift up your hand high and they'll know where you're seated and they can bring that to you. But we're going to stand and receive communion together this morning. You might ask, is this an open communion? It is open in the sense that you don't need to be a member of this church to receive communion, but you do need to be a member of the family of God. And so we do that by just pausing for a second, and I'd encourage you to do this once you have your communion. Don't, don't open it yet, and if you have, that's fine, but just bow your heart for a second before the Lord. Father, if there be sin in my life, God, if I have done something that's displeasing to you, I ask you to forgive me, and I pray that you would help me to learn from that. I want to be more like you. That's my desire. I want to grow in my relationship with you. I want to grow in my faith and my knowledge of you. This morning, in this holy moment, we set aside an opportunity just to remember the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. We thank you because you are worthy to receive praise. I want to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as I often do at communion. It's Paul's instructions to us as a church 
upon taking communion, he says, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So in a lot of ways, every day for me is Easter Sunday because he, he, he's, he died. And that fact isn't just true sometime in March or April or May. That fact is true every single day that Jesus loved us so much that he would be willing to die for our sins. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us because we were perfect or because we deserved it or because we could have earned it. He died because he loves us. So would you take and peel that top layer back and remove that piece of bread? And would you join me in giving thanks to God for his body which was given for us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came from heaven to earth. You lived a sinless life, but you died a sinner's death on a cruel cross. And you did it because you loved us. And so while today is not on the calendar Easter Sunday, it is a reminder to us of your great love, passion, and sacrifice for us. We remember you today and we're thankful for what you have done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you receive that with me? The Bible goes on to say in the next verse, after supper, in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time that you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. One of the things that we're announcing is that because of the blood of Jesus, we are set free from the penalty of sin from the bondage to sin. That debt has been paid by the blood of Jesus. The, the, the addictive chains that have been bound around some of us, those chains are broken in the name of Jesus. And many of you in this room are a testimony of the power of Jesus breaking chains. Isaiah 53 says that by his stripes, our bodies have been healed. And just today, I've heard of two different reports of people who had a cancer diagnosis, but now as of this week, they are completely cancer-free in Jesus' name. And so the Jesus who healed in the body in the Bible is still healing bodies today, but can I take it a step further? He's not just healing bodies. He's healing spirits and minds and emotions. And so I want you to bow your head for just a second. I don't normally do this at communion time, but if you need a healing touch from Jesus today, Maybe it's in your physical body, maybe it's something emotional in your spirit, and you need a touch from Jesus today. I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm just going to pray with you. Slip up your hand right now and say, yeah, that's me, that's me. Pray for me. Lord, you see the hands that are lifted up this morning and those that need a touch from you. There's physical or emotional pain in their body, and the Bible declares that by your stripes we have been healed. So I pray that you would set right every mind, every heart, every spirit, every emotion in this place that is broken and damaged, some beyond repair, that you would put the broken pieces back together better than they ever were to begin with. I also pray for those who have physical needs in their body. We thank you that you're still healing cancer. We stay, thank you that you're bringing blood sugar, sugar into line and into alignment. God, I thank you for respiratory problems being resolved. I thank you for physical uh, pain like, like broken bones and dislocated uh, parts of the body are being restored. I thank you that a great work is being done because of the blood of Jesus, not because of what we have done, but because of what you have done. And then finally, Lord, I didn't ask them to raise their hand, but for those who maybe have an addictive chain around them, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. 
And so this morning, would those chains be broken off of people because of the authority of your name? Satan, we declare in Jesus' name that you are defeated and the Lord rebuke you. You have no authority or no place. And for the one who is here who has been troubled, for the one who is here who has been tempted and persecuted, Satan, you must leave. You must go in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, by the authority of his blood. So let's follow the leading of Jesus this morning and let's peel back that layer. And Jesus, we give you thanks for your blood, which was shed on Calvary for us. It's the precious blood of the lamb. We thank you for it. It has never lost its power in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you receive that with me this morning? And as you set that down, would you just begin to give him thanks in whatever way feels best. You can join me in lifting your hands high to him. You can lift your voice or your heart. But Father, we praise you for the precious blood of Jesus. We remember your sacrifice. We remember your death, your punishment, your pain. But we also celebrate your victory that you're alive. You're seated at the right hand of the Father. You're making intercession for us and for our needs. And we praise you. For that. If you're near somebody that you know and love, would you put a hand on their shoulder or take them by the hand or an arm around them? And Lord, we just speak blessings. We speak favor. We speak anointing, health, wholeness, healing. We pray your very best purposes would be fulfilled in our lives. Thank you that we corporately together are the body of Christ. We're not created to live in isolation by ourselves, but you allow us to come together as your family and to worship your great name. We give you praise and glory for it this morning. To you alone, may all glory, honor, power, and praise be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we make some noise and give God praise today for what he is doing? Amen. He is working and moving in a powerful way. You know, this past Monday, I was in Whittier, Alaska, where the high temperature was 46 degrees. And then on Tuesday afternoon, I stepped off the plane in Tulsa and it was 106 degrees. But I can say honestly, and you can ask Robin if you don't believe me, that I would rather be here where y'all are than be up there where y'all are not. Would you turn around and say hi to somebody and tell them how much you love them and how lucky they are to sit next to you this morning? Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Letty. Thanks for being here today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you part of our family and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can scan this QR code on the screen next to me to fill out your Connect card or your new guest card. And if you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church slash connect or spirit.church slash guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to know how to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't feel any pressure to give. Instead, let this service be our gift to you. But if you're here and you want to give, here are three ways you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the commons area. You can give online on our website at spirit.church.give. Or, as always, you can give on your Spirit Church app. Spirit Church, it is because of your generosity that we are able to continue sharing love, joy, and peace. Now I've got a couple announcements for you. If you are an Awana volunteer or would like to be, join us for a training event on Tuesday, July 25th at 6 p.m. 
A missionary with Awana Ministries is coming to train and equip us for the upcoming year, and we'd love for you to be with us. And lastly, if you are going on our missions trip to Ecuador in September, please join us for a team meeting today after the 11 o'clock worship experience. Spirit Church, you're the best. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get out our message notes as Pastor Jason comes to continue our message series, Tell Me Why. Hey, what an awesome opportunity. What a great crowd. Give it up for you guys for being here. Come on, make some noise. You made it. You got out of bed. You're here. Yeah, my buddy Ty and his family were considering sleeping in this morning, but when they knocked on his door, said, do you want to sleep in? Ty said, no, we're going to church today. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Way to be here. Hey, it's been an awesome week. Robin and I got to sneak in at kids camp on Thursday. And uh, thank you for praying and sending our kids to camp. Here's what it looked like when we were there. You'll notice all the empty seats are because all the kids are down front worshiping Jesus. And that's what we want to see. It's okay to clap and scream and shout. Come on. Feel some freedom to give it up. It's been great. And then as you heard me mention, our team just got back from Alaska this week. I want to take a second. Um, Parker and Mike and Isak are going to come and share here in just a second. But here's a quick video that shows you a little bit about what happened in Alaska this last week. team we took 22 people to Bethel Alaska it was an amazing trip thanks for your giving and your going I'm gonna let them share just a little bit but there's the one scene that you see there with me with a broom and the rule was anytime that Corinne came with the camera she was supposed to give me a heads up so that I could flex and suck in so that's why I was trying to get my pose because I knew Robin would see that and I wanted her to be impressed that I actually did something but don't let her know that I know how to sweep don't let her know First is Mike Kelber. I want him to come up and just share a little bit about his experience in Alaska. So I got the opportunity to uh, take, go along with my 12-year-old, uh, which was phenomenal. And uh, we were on different teams. I was on the construction crew, and he was kind of on the VBS team. And uh, as often as I felt comfortable, I would sneak away from doing the work and peek in and watch him and all the other group, uh, the VBS group, uh, serve the Lord, and I like it touched my heart in such a way to watch my son and the other students use their gifts and their talents, and to pour into those kids and to be used by God. And it was it just touched my heart to see that, but also he was being able to see me serve the Lord as well. And we got to do that together as a body of Christ. So we're not all created equally. We're not. We're all different, different gifts and different skills and. 
we got to be a part of that for a week, and uh, that was just awesome as a dad to watch the Lord work in my son's life um, that week, so that was awesome. Yeah, good job, Mike. Thanks, buddy. You, you noticed in the video, there was a young lady, and she was swinging an axe and taking down sheetrock. Meet Parker. She's available to come help at your house. So, good morning, guys. My name is Parker. Um, I was up here last service, too, and I spoke, and I could go on for hours, but there's something that I want to mention now after praying about it. So, there was this little girl that I really connected with, and we had three little girls say yes to Jesus, and one of the girls said yes. We made these bracelets. I have mine on. I have a lot on. You probably can't see it, but all the different beads stood for a different color, and the blue one stood for your new life after you got baptized, and I, like, explained it to her and everything. And so that's how we ended up coming to the conversation about her saying yes to Jesus. Now, the next day, we're at VBS, and I was just like, I need some time with God. Like, I have not gotten time with myself to just speak to God and see what He wants from me. And so I was sitting there, and after VBS, some of the kids would just hang out, and I was just worshiping. Me and Ava Kelly turned on some music, and we were worshiping. And this little girl that I was talking about, she comes up to me, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm worshiping. And she's like, okay, what do you do? Like, how? And so I was sitting there, and I was like, just raise your hands and sing the songs and talk to God. And so after we were done singing our song or whatever, like, we look up, and she's like, someone was holding my hands. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? It took me a second. And she was like, someone was holding my hands, but I looked up, and no one was there. And I just immediately broke down, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. So it was such a powerful moment, and I just, I hugged this little girl, and I just, I knew God speaking to me in that moment was like, she's going to do great things. And so it's like, I believe that God was holding her hands. And I believe that you're going to do great things for Alaska. Because there's so many, like, um, missionary things in Alaska. That it was so, like, crazy to learn about them while I was there. But I was like, you are going to do great things. You're going to work with kids. You're going to turn kids' lives around. You're going to touch these kids. Like, I know God has so much in store for you. So it was just, yes. it was incredible to see God move like that. And that's it was just, it's so important to me, and I've been praying about her since, and I just, I hoped everyone else would pray for her, because I know that she's going to do great things, so that was one thing that That's I cool. Good job, Parker. So many in our church are so connected to missions and God's work throughout his kingdom. Um, so many of you, some of you serve in missions, some of you work at VOM, uh, and just awesome to see. One of the phrases that we were taught on this trip is that short-term mission trips are more about becoming than doing. And so a lot of times we go with this objective, we're going to accomplish all this work, and we don't leave time to become who God wants us to be. And so I appreciate Parker's comment about how we were, we were being changed and challenged in who we are. And then Isak was also able to come. I wanted him to share a little bit about what God did in his heart and life. I've been involved in missions full-time for the last 22 years. I actually met my wife on the field. Uh, my oldest son that traveled with me was born in Thailand. So I'm biased. And I was asking God, please work in my son's life. And, and this trip that we got to do together was with the hope and desire in my heart of speak to him, not, not through me anymore, but through you. And, and through the days, he's like, Dad, I love this. Now we had one bathroom. It was 20 plus of us. Yeah, you, things like that. And then he says, Dad, I would like to do this again. And at that moment for me, it's like, thank you, God, because you are the one moving. Yeah. You are the one doing something. <laughs> And, and that's something I can't, as a dad, as much as I want, I can put in my son's heart. And as we got to work with this ministry and these missionaries, it is it's very important sometimes to, to know that 
we are being affected and we are transforming other places because Alaska is far. And you'll hear later, we went really far. And it sounds like something that you can touch, but the church blessed this ministry big time and because of you. And, and everybody sitting here has blessed this ministry. We got to visit two villages and, and talk to the missionaries in the field. And these are young college graduates that are teaching in rural schools in Alaska with the purpose of planting a church or strengthening the body of Christ. And most probably none of you will ever go to these places. But as a body of Christ, we have touched them. And remodeling this church is, is going to be, that is going to become a place for them to rest, to be trained, to take a break, and to go back to those places that nobody wants to go. And it's because of you and your support and, and your yeah. understanding of this is what God called us to do as a church. Yes. So thank you. My son was blessed. I was blessed. But we are blessing Alaska. Thank you so much. Good job. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate that. We hand that to Pastor Daniel. Thank you. So it was an amazing trip, as you heard. And if you, if you missed the trip, don't worry. There's going to be more because missions is in our DNA. It's in our heart as who we are as a church. In fact, September 7th is our next trip. We're going to Ecuador. There's a meeting right after this service. If you're signed up or if you're still kind of on the fence thinking about going, I've got info for you that I want to get to you. Uh, the missionary in Alaska, his name's Stephen Pavic. He texted me last night and he said, Pastor Jason, I just wanted to reach out and say a huge thank you for bringing your team to Bethel last week. They blessed our movement tremendously with their hard work, their great attitudes, and their clear heart for missions. Please pass my thanks along to your church body as well for the financial investment. So it wasn't just the 22 of us. This was all of us. This was all of us participating in this work. And let me just be clear. We went to Alaska because as a church, we exist. The only reason we exist is to share the love, joy, and peace of Jesus Christ with the least, last, and lost. That's why we open the doors. That's why we come together as a church family. And our strategy is to keep reaching one more. Maybe they're in Alaska. Maybe they're in Ecuador. They might even be in Juan, America. But we're going to keep reaching one more with the good news about Jesus Christ. One of the ways that we're trying to reach one more is we're trying to inform and strengthen our faith. So we've been teaching this series called Tell Me Why. And Pastor Grant did an awesome job last week. He talked about the role that faith plays. Today we're going to answer a very important question. Why does God care so much about my money? Give you a second to get more uncomfortable. Right there. Stand with me if you would. First Peter chapter 3. It's our in the vault text. First Peter 3.15. This is the verse we've been working on all month long. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we belong to you. Not to our past, not to our failures, our shortcomings. We belong to you, and we give you praise for that. I pray this morning your voice would fill this room. Your Holy Spirit would speak specifically and individually, uniquely to each of us exactly what we need to hear. We give you the praise and the glory that you're going to challenge and change us, that you're going to make us more like you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. As we said, it was 
an amazing trip. It was an amazing team of people that went to Alaska. Here's the photo of, of our group that's there at the church. Myself and my daughter Kate, Pastor Daniel and Emily were there. Brandy and Sophia were there. Mike was there. The other Mike was there with his son Brody. Tucker was there. Chris and Ava, Scott and Shelly, Parker and Crystal, Isak and Cade, Stephen and Talon, Tim and Corinne, and we just had an amazing time together. The team did fantastic work. In fact, our construction team accomplished more than they had prepared for us to accomplish. On the second or third day, I think they just started making up jobs for us to do because we had gotten so far uh, ahead of them with the work that was being done. Our VBS team was unbelievable. For this missionary group, it was the first time they had done VBS in this specific area, and so our, our youth team was able to help lead that VBS, and on the last night of VBS, they had a family dinner where all the kids brought their parents to the church and they had dinner together and then they got to show them what they learned at VBS and our team got an opportunity to connect with them and so that was a wonderful opportunity for us. When you think about Alaska, you probably think about the beautiful mountains, the lakes, the rivers and the trees, kind of something like this scene, this photo that was taken on Monday. But where we went in Alaska was 400 miles away from this. We went to the city of Bethel. And I've got the map here, and you can see Anchorage is there on the right with the blue pin, and Bethel is all the way out to the western part of Alaska. We're actually not that far from Russia when you look at it on the bigger map. And the part that we went to was rugged. It was harsh terrain. In fact, they call it the tundra. And here's what it looks like when you're, when you're flying in. Um, I took this photo. Just kidding. I didn't take that photo. I found that photo on the internet. Um, but this is what the tundra looks like. There's, there's not the mountains. There's not the beautiful trees. It's, it's harsh. It's tough. Tough land, tough people that live there. And stewardship in western Alaska is absolutely essential. In fact, if you're not a good steward of your resources in those remote villages that we got to visit, then you won't survive in those places. And there's a big difference between being an owner and being a steward or a manager. Many times, you and I, we live with the impression that we're owners, especially when it comes to God's resources, our money, our finances. We think that we're owners. But when we talk about stewardship, we're talking about the fact that to be a steward is to be a manager. And a manager manages the resources that God has entrusted to them. And we had to steward or manage a lot of things really well while we were in Alaska. The first one was water. They, they don't have water piped to the buildings. There's a big water tank on the outside of the building, and once a week, the water truck comes and delivers water to the building. And if you run out of water before the next delivery time, it's very expensive and very difficult to get more water. So as Isak said, there was one, sometimes two, working toilets for 22 team members. So the rule with the water was, if it's yellow, let it mellow, and if it's brown, You've been there before, haven't you? And not a single person complained about that. We just embraced it as a way of life in Western Alaska that you had to steward your water well. You also had to steward your electricity well. They don't have air conditioning. They don't even know what air conditioning is in Alaska. The warmest it got was 60 degrees. I was freezing the whole time that I was there. I packed totally wrong. The heater was turned off in the room that we were sleeping in. The snoring machine was turned full blast. But the heater didn't work in the room that we were in, and so we kind of had a rule, if you're done in a room and you're leaving that room, make sure the light switch gets turned off. How many dads are thankful for that principle? Because 
The cost of electricity is so sky high that you want to make sure that you use as little as possible. We had to steward our food when we were out there. We had to fly all of our food with us from Anchorage to Bethel. 17 of those big tubs had to be checked on the plane because when we got to Bethel, a box of diapers was $100. A case of water was 28 bucks to buy a case of water at the grocery store. So we had to fly all of our food with us. And before we would eat, our hosts would tell us, here's the serving size. You can have one scoop of rice and Here's how much of the chicken or the protein that you can have. And then when everybody's gone through the line, if there's enough, then you can come back for seconds. We wanted to make sure that we didn't run out of food and that we also didn't have to fly any food back with us. We had to steward it so that we had just enough. You see, Bethel is a town of 6,000 people, and it's the hub city on the Kuskokwim River. And I've got a map that shows Bethel and the villages. There's about 50 villages up and down the river. They're not all listed on here, but Bethel serves as the center for medical care, for shopping, for groceries, for industry, technology, all those things. And then little villages are spread all up and down the river. And if you live in those villages, there's a saying about stewardship. It's this, if you spend too much time preparing for this season, you won't be ready for the next season. In other words, if it takes you too long to get your moose, then your nets won't be ready when it's time for you to get your salmon. Or if you spend too much time at the end of the summer winterizing your boat, you won't have enough time to prepare your four-wheeler, which they call a Honda, for the snow and the ice of the winter. Another principle of stewardship that we learned in Alaska was that when you get your first moose, you give all of it away to the elders of your village who were too old to get their own moose. It's almost like a, like a biblical principle. It's almost like tithing. It's not a tithe, but it's almost like it because they believe that if you give the first one away, you'll keep being blessed year after year with enough to take care of you and your family. And today as we're discussing tithing, we see this principle from Alaska. They believe that when they give the first, the rest are blessed. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that we tithe for God's benefit. Like God needs our money, like God's about to default on a loan or his storehouses are running dry or he needs an extra supply from us. But in reality, tithing isn't for God's benefit. Tithing is for our benefit because what we see is that God's blessing always comes when we steward his resources well. When you're in and around Bethel, there's limited resources, limited water, fuel, electricity, and everything has to be managed well. And if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, and we're going to look at a story uh, of stewardship of management in the Bible. Luke 19. And before I get there, I want to show you in Genesis chapter 2, God has been asking people to steward and manage well since the beginning of time. It started with Adam. The Lord planted a garden, Genesis 2.8, in Eden in the east, and he placed the man that he had made. If you go to verse 15, seven verses later, it says the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to do, Eden to do what? To tend it and to watch over it. It was his responsibility. It was Adam's job to be a steward of God's resources here on earth. A few chapters later, you read about Noah, and Noah's responsibility was to manage a construction project for the Lord. He was to steward the resources, the people, the animals that, that inevitably saved humanity. He built a boat that saved humanity. It saved the animal kingdom, all of it. It says, build a large boat from cypress wood, waterproof it with tar inside and out, and construct decks and stalls throughout the interior. 
if you were to keep reading that verse and those passages, it would go into explicit detail on exactly what Noah was supposed to do as he stewarded or managed those resources. Today, we're looking at another story about stewardship in Luke chapter 19. We're going to start in verse number 12. This story is called the parable of the talents. In this story, we look specifically at what God is asking us to do as we steward the money that he has entrusted to us. It says in verse number 12, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then to return. But before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I am gone. That last line is really important, and I miss that a lot of times when I read this story. Invest this for me while I'm gone. If your Bible is an NIV translation, it says, put this money to work. If you're reading English Standard, it says, engage in business. New King James says, do business till I come. In other words, don't sit on it, put it to work and turn a profit while I'm gone. Now, we read in the story that he had 10 pounds of silver, and he had 10 people that he gave each of them a pound of silver. So I, I found out that an ounce of silver on today's market is $25. And I'm told that there are 16 ounces in a pound, which means I have a lot of ounces in my body. That wasn't supposed to be funny. That was just supposed to be a statement of fact. So a pound of silver, 25 ounces, $25 an ounce, 16 ounces a pound. A pound of silver is $400 that each of them were entrusted with. Verse 15 says, after he was crowned king, the nobleman returned back and he called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. And the first servant reported, master, I invested your money and I made 10 times the original amount. If you skip to verse number 18, the next servant reported, master, I invested your money and I made five times the original amount. And both of these times that they reported this, the nobleman replied to them, well done. You've been faithful with a little. You're going to be trusted with even more. And, and what an awesome return on investment this was. Five times the original amount, ten times the original amount. Most of us today would be happy just to get anything back on an investment. I think a, a pretty decent rate right now that you see a lot of times is 5%, maybe 5.3%. But here, they're bringing back ten times what they started with. But then there's that third servant that we read about in verse 20 of Luke 19. The third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and I kept it safe. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with. If you know that you're about to get in trouble for something, telling the boss man or boss woman that he or she is a hard person to deal with, maybe not the best course of action. If your wife's about to get on to you, maybe not like, well, honey, I know that you're really difficult to deal with. Yeah, I just... I'm not speaking that from experience because I would never say something like that. It had nothing to do with the message. I'm just trying to help people, okay? He says, you're a hard man to deal with. You take what isn't yours. You harvest crops you didn't plant. The thing that we have to remember from the story was the nobleman's initial commandment to the people. He said, do business while I'm gone. Invest the money while I'm away. And the issue wasn't just that the third servant didn't get a return on the investment. The issue is that the third servant acted like the money was his to begin with. He tried to be an owner rather than serving as a manager. And in verse number 23 uh, of Luke 19, it says, You wicked servant, your own words condemn you. If you knew that I was a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, 
why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least then I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he turned to the other standing nearby and he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. Kind of a powerful illustration that Jesus teaches us there. The big question that we're trying to address is why does God care so much about our money? And the simple answer this morning is that God cares about our money because it's his money. See, he's asked us to be stewards of the resources that he has entrusted to us. And today I want to close by giving you three key words with regard to stewardship. There's probably many more than this, but I want to show you these so you can take notes or put it in your app and and keep a record of this. But the first word we want to look at is the word bring. And the principle is that we bring what he gives. We bring what God gives to us. Now, again, if you have your Bible, go from Luke 19, go to the Old Testament. The very last book is Malachi. I want to show you Malachi chapter 3, and I'm going to get there in just a minute. Malachi chapter 3. But we bring what God gives, because stewardship or management begins with us bringing, and the reason we bring is because it all belongs to God. Look at Psalm chapter 24 and verse number 1. It's going to be on the screen for you this morning. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all of its people belong to him so what that means for for you and i is that everything that i have is god's all of my quote unquote resources my material possessions the stuff that i think i own are just things that god has entrusted to me it's from him and he's looking for me to manage it in his ways for his kingdom and for his glory that's what he's asking me to do as a steward or a manager And that's what tithing is about. It's God has given us the resources and we're bringing it back to him. When when we say we give the tithe, see, God says that we bring the tithe. When we say that we give the tithe, we're implying that it was ours to begin with or that the money or the resources originated with us. And, And sometimes we get this mindset where we say, well, I'm the one that shows up for work every day. My name's on the paycheck, so that's my money. Well, who gave you the job? Who gave you the breath in your lungs to complete the task that your job requires of you? Who enables you day by day to wake up and to perform the tasks necessary to receive the paycheck? It's him. He's entrusting the resources to you. He might be using a secondary person to get it to you or a company or an entity, but it's his resources that he's putting in your hands and he's asking us to bring it to him. And that's the biblical pattern. In fact, Leviticus chapter 27, it's not on the screen, but let me read it to you. God says this, Leviticus 27, 30, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, and you must set it apart as holy. So God says the first tenth, the first ten percent, you bring it to me. And, and the, the great thing about that is when we bring that to him, he blesses the whole of it, not just the tenth that we brought. He blesses all of it because it's all his. Now, the Malachi passage I talked to you about. Again, not on the screen, but in your Bible. I want you to see this. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 8. Are you there in your phone? Are you there in your Bible? Because we've got to read this. Malachi 3, 8. God's frustrated. He says, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? God replies, You have cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. But then I want to show you verse 10. This is the famous verse we read about tithing all the time. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in 
And then he says this, try it, put me to the test. You don't find other places in scripture where God says, try it or put me to the test. But what he says here is when you bring back what I have given to you, I will bless you in ways that you won't even be able to receive or to contain it. And I can tell you just from personal experience, for Robin and I in our life, we make it a priority that we give God the first and the best, and I have never seen him leave me without. He always gives back to me may, way, way more than I could ever bring to him. So we, we bring what he gives. And the great thing is when we bring, he blesses. See, the, the issue was that the servants in the story in Luke chapter 19 they had something to bring back to the nobleman who was crowned king only because the nobleman first gave them something to invest. See, God first gives to us and then we bring back to him. Here's the second word for stewardship this morning is priority. And the principle is we prioritize him first. It's almost a redundant phrase to say we prioritize him first because a lot of times the word priority just means first. But oftentimes we make priority lists and then we assign values to certain items on the list. And stewardship or management of resources requires priority or prioritization. And so the bigger question than your finances is do I prioritize Jesus in every aspect of my life? Today we're dealing specifically and talking uh, uniquely about money, but the question for me is does Jesus have authority over my mouth? Do I prioritize him in the words that I speak? Does Jesus have priority over my time? Do I give him the best of me, of myself, and my time? Because how I distribute my time is an indication of my love. In, in summertime in Alaska, you have endless amounts of time. I want to show you this photo from Alaska, and I wanted to prove to everybody that I did brush my teeth while I was gone on the trip. No, actually, I wanted to show you that picture because I wanted to, you to tell me, was that picture taken in the a.m. or the p.m.? P.m., was it taken about 8 o'clock at night? 10, 12 at night is when that photo was taken, and it's still bright outside. It's still there. The sun's still shining. It's right behind me, as you can see. We didn't see the sun often, but on that day, we saw the sun. And so there are lots of, lots of light, lots of time in the summer, but in the winter, all of a sudden, that window closes, and you have very little light, very little time, and so you have to prioritize your time well in the winter those most important tasks that are required light and you be outside you better put them at the top of your list and god cares about how we prioritize our time and he also cares about how we prioritize our money because when we put him first we see that he blesses the rest i'll show you this from genesis chapter 4 the story of cain and abel that we've heard so many times in verse number three it says in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And we say, why not? They both brought something to the Lord. But look at Cain. In the process of time. In other words, when he got around to it. When he remembered, when he felt like it. When he found it, he brought not the best or the first, he brought an offering. Oh, here's some, here's some leftovers. Here's a little something I can give to God. But look what Abel did. He brought the firstborn of his flock, and he brought the, the fat portions. He brought the best and the first, and he offered it to God. 
Pastor Daniel and Emily have been giving fire Bibles to our teenagers, to our students. And Donald Stamps is a man, uh, he's with the Lord now, but he wrote the commentary notes. And on this passage, Donald Stamps says these words, God measures a person's giving and generosity not only by the amount they give, but by the love, the devotion, and the sacrifice represented in the gift. It's a really powerful thought for us that, that we prioritize him first. We bring what he gives to us and we prioritize him first. The last word I wanna share with you this morning about stewardship is the word trust. And the principle is we trust him with everything. You see, stewardship or management requires that we trust God completely. And when you look at our story in Luke chapter 19, it's evident that the first two servants trusted the master. They trusted his instructions and his commands. They made a good return. On, they, they invested it well, and they made a good return, and it showed. A week ago, Friday, I was in a village called Akiak. It's on the Kuskokwim River. Uh, I was there. Uh, Chris was with me, and Stephen Isak was with me, and, and Mike was there. We were privileged to go visit this village and see the work that was being done there. To get to the village of Akiak, you had to take a plane from Tulsa to Denver, another plane from Denver to Anchorage, another plane from Anchorage to Bethel, and then you have to get on a boat and you have to drive an hour and a half up the Kuskokwim River. And this isn't a cruise ship, this isn't a ferry boat, this is a little aluminum boat with a 150 horsepower motor on the back and you are exposed to all the elements and you go straight up the river for an hour and a half and you get yourself there to Akiak. While I was there, we were walking around, touring the village, seeing the children, seeing the missionaries that were working in this village. And I looked at Stephen, he's one of our deacons, and I said, man, I've traveled a lot in my life. This is the most remote place I think I have ever been. As I turned around and looked at the American flag outside the US post office in Akiak, Alaska. We were so far away from where we are at Spirit Church in Bartlesville today. And it took so much trust for us to get from here all the way to there. You know, on all those planes I never once met, I didn't even see the pilots that flew the planes. When I got in the boat, it was guys I had just met one or two days before, and both of them were way younger than I am. And if you know me and you ask my staff, I usually don't like being the passenger. I would prefer to drive. I want my hands on the wheel. I want to drive the truck. I don't want to sit in the passenger seat. I want the control. I almost asked them if I could drive the boat, but I didn't think they let me get away with that. To get there, I had to trust my captains. I had to trust my pilots. And the third servant in our story this morning didn't trust the captain. He didn't trust the nobleman. He wanted to do it his way instead. He said, I want to drive. And when we try to do things in our way, we say to God, I don't trust you. I don't trust, I don't trust you with your money, God. I don't trust you with your time, God. I don't trust you with your resources. We say, God, I wanna be the one driving the boat. I wanna be the one flying the plane. But stewardship says, God, I trust you with everything, even with my money. You drive, you're in charge, you're the captain. Sometimes we make stewardship and tithing and giving to be super easy, and, and it can be, but stewardship begins with an expression of your trust. In other words, God invites us to trust him, but not just with our money, he invites us to trust him with our whole lives. And can I tell you from experience, when you trust Jesus with your whole life, it's real easy to hand over or to bring your tithe back to him because you've already trusted him with everything else. 
Now, I don't really have time to get into this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the time because I guess that's what I get to do, right? I've been pastor of this church for 23 months and eight days. And this is the first time I've ever preached on tithing. And the reason is, because y'all tithe. So I'm not standing up here going, oh, we're going broke, y'all. We're out of money, I need more of y'all to tithe. Y'all are already tithing. The work that we did in Alaska was because you guys tithe, we could send them $25,000 and we could already do that work. You guys, you guys tithe. So hear my heart, I'm not preaching this morning saying y'all need to start tithing. I'm preaching this morning saying, this is why we tithe. Because growing up, nobody ever told me why we tithe. They just told me I was supposed to. And you know what I discovered? Is that when I tithe, I couldn't outgive God. When I prioritized Him, I couldn't stop the blessings from coming. And the thing that Robin and I have learned in our life, I didn't tell the early service this, so don't tell them you're getting privileged information. But the thing that we have learned is it's not just dollar for dollar. Sometimes that we tithe financially and He blesses us. Do you know I've never spent a night in a hospital? No, it's not, it's not about me. I'm just saying God blesses us in so many ways that we don't realize. And if we tried to do a dollar to dollar comparison, we'd always lose out. But if we didn't just do dollar to dollar, if we looked at all of the blessings that God has given us, we would lose every time. And I'm happy with losing because we prioritize him, because we trust him, because we put him first. We bring what he has given to us. Trust is easy. Tithing is easy when you've already trusted him with your whole life. So would you bow your head with me this morning? Because that's really where this whole discussion begins is do you trust Jesus? If you trust Jesus, then tithing is so simple. It's so easy. But for some of us, we've never really been challenged with this question of do, do I trust Jesus? And that's the, that's the question for you today. Do you trust him? Have you made him Lord and Savior of your life? Have you said yes to Jesus? And if you haven't, this morning is your opportunity. This is your moment to say yes to Jesus. Or maybe you've said yes to Jesus a time ago at a camp or a service or something, but things are different. You've walked away. You're not the same. You've made some bad choices or poor decisions. You can trust him again. His arms, which were nailed to a cross for you, are still open wide to receive you today. You're here this morning, I won't embarrass you. I'm just gonna pray for you and you wanna say yes to Jesus. Yes, I trust him. Whether it's the first time or you're just making a recommitment of your faith to him, would you just slip up a hand and say, pray for me, I'm saying yes, thank you. Thank you for hands that are going up this morning. Thank you for those who are courageously and boldly lifting your hands and saying, yes, I trust Jesus. If you're watching online, put the word yes in your text box. Let us know that you're trusting Jesus today. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that if we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So this morning, I'm gonna lead all of us in a prayer of confession. You, you've lifted your hand to say, I believe, to say that I trust, but now there's gotta be that prayer. It's the first of so many prayers you'll pray to him. Would you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you praise God for the work he's done this morning? He's faithful. He's faithful. If you said yes, there's a number on the screen. You can text us at 918-766-9117. You can let us know what God has done. We want to help you get baptized. We want to help you be discipled and grow in your faith. I want to close this morning this way. Would you stand? And in whatever way feels best to you, lifting your hands, that's what I'm going to do, lifting your voice. But just declare to the Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Come on, join me in saying that. Jesus, I trust you with everything, all of me, my whole heart, my whole life, my whole soul, my resources. I trust you, Jesus. You're worthy of my trust. Man, aren't you thankful for a God that chooses you to have the option to be a good steward? He doesn't need you. He doesn't require you. And yet he gives you the opportunity to glorify him in the way that you handle your business. Amen. What an amazing God. What a loving God we have. Now, hey, real fast before we go today, I want to remind you for all of our 6th through 12th graders tonight at 530, we are having our backyard bash. Tonight, it's going to be incredible. We're going to be offering free hamburgers, popsicles, drinks. There's a group coming up from Skytook to come and hang out with us because they just want to grow community with our students. We want to encourage you, please, please, please come and hang out and just see what God does because as much fun as we're about to have, I also want you to know that your students are going to be fed, and that's the most important thing that occurs, is we are going to be preaching a message, we are going to be preaching Jesus, and we're going to be teaching them things that will help them going forward. So help encourage your kids to get connected here at Spirit Church by connecting them with Spirit Youth. But hey, as we leave today, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over us all. If you'll raise your hands towards heaven. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go with God this week.